Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How are we doing out there, everybody? Uh, welcome to episode one of Man Bites Pod. Uh, my name is Wee Ryan. I am joined by two swell fellas, uh, both of whom I've worked with in the podcast game, uh, one more than another, but both pretty extensively. My man, Mean Gene, out in Queensland. How you doing, Mean Gene? I'm good, Wee Ryan. And uh, yeah, pleasure to be here to start this off. Thank you, fellas, for your name bringing this together it's a pleasure definitely this is going to be dope same 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 also with me is my partner in crime the fella that uh we've gotten in trouble for oh several decades now together my man terry goddamn how's it going mr terry Uh, i'm doing well and it is always a pleasure to start some more trouble with you my friend we and bringing gene into this this is just going to make it that much better we're going to fucking start a whole new gimmick here from any of our other listeners you may know us from No One Likes Us, and you may know Gene from the Dart Marks podcast. We're going to try something new and hope you motherfuckers can dig on it. Yeah, a little more, a little more specific we are with this podcast. You know, we both kind of mm. run variety shows in a, in a way. Um, mm. And so this is kind of a little more pointed, as it were. Uh, we're, we're basically with this podcast, if you're just tuning in and have no idea what we're on about, we are going to dissect one movie per episode. Uh, and the only way that we know how we have, we have a method and you'll, you'll be hip to it by the end. I'm sure. Yes. Um, our, our madness is contagious. <laughs> that's right. Our disease <laughs> is spreading. Uh, we, so, uh, our, our, our namesake is man, man vice pod. So we figured we should go ahead and cover right off the bat a movie called man bites dog, a French film, uh, slash Belgian. Some of the funding mm. came from Belgium. It's in France. It's a it's a whole deal. But uh, movie from 1993. It centers around a fellow named Benoit. He's mostly called Ben throughout the film. His last name is only mentioned once in the whole thing. It's uh, Potar. And then he so he is a serial killer that is followed around by a film crew uh, in a mockumentary type style um, and. Things kind of get, I, I won't give away too much so that we can talk about this, but it, they are basically filming him and they slowly but surely lose their objectivity as documentary filmmakers as the thing uh, progresses up to and including them joining in the, uh, the, the homicides and, and, and robbery and, and other things. And that, that is uh, what Ben does. He kills for money, but it's not a hitman. He's just killing random people and and uh, taking their money. He has a method, but it's all about it being more lucrative as opposed to it being political 
or pointed in some way of that or revenge or trauma driven. Um, so we can, we can get into all that, but that's the gist of the movie. Was it 92 or 93? No, it's yeah, 92. 92. I, I tell you what, I thought, I don't know why I said 93. I think, uh, but I, rem- I just remembered that it won, it won the Cannes film festival yeah. award in 92. So it couldn't have come out in fuck three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, I mean, one thing I like about this, I've talked to Terry and I have had this, this rule as far as horror movies go, not a rule, but something that it's a flag, a good flag, not a red flag, a black flag, if you will. And it's like, if you, if there's a death within the first minute or two of, of a horror flick, I'm in, hmm. I'll probably finish <laughs> watching the whole thing, no matter how bad it mm-hmm. gets. This movie, mm-hmm. its first death is five, exactly five seconds within the film that broad gets strangled with piano wire on the train. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a phenomenal way to start. Is it, it five really seconds is. in exactly? Exactly five seconds. I paused nice. it and sat there and counted it. I did. It's exactly five seconds. And he's, he's doing the G Gordon Liddy with piano wire, keeping our country safe with piano wire from hippies. <laughs> yeah. It really opens up right, right off the bat with this fucking murder inside of the train. And then it just hits the screen with the titles, which is man bites dog. And then in their language, it translates roughly. It could happen in your neighborhood, which, you know, it just is, has this basic feel to it in its native language instead of mm-hmm. what Man Bites Dog. I think Man Bites Dog is an awesome name. We named our fucking show after this shit. So we're going to go with that. But I do feel like it could happen in your neighborhood really just portrays a lot of what this film does because it's very like locally set. And he's literally just walking around his own neighborhoods in doing these things, you know, mm-hmm. but that, that first kill, I know that I'm going to be interested in it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the first kill was very interesting considering as well, this is a, well, a mockumentary, if you will. Right. One could also argue a found footage film considering Absolutely. the ending. Definitely. But for now, for the beginning, uh, it's set up. If you go, you know, fast forward two, three minutes, then go back to the start, you realize they're in there with the camera and the sound boot in the, you know, the train hallway, whatever it's called. Right. And um, so it's a very interesting way to set that up. You know, it automatically asks you to question uh, uh, the nature of this docu slash mockumentary. Yeah. Right. Um, straight away to begin with. So formula, formally, it's very clever to begin with as well. You're in for a smart as well as shocking film. Yeah. And that, I tell you what, I, I think, and Terry and I talked about this a little bit on the phone uh, either today or yesterday, but Something I started, I watched this when I was probably too young to be watching it, but I hadn't watched it in years. I watched it a few days ago and I watched it again today. And I'm telling you right now, between the the last time I watched it, this most recent time, and then this today, most, most very recent time, I'm watching a different movie now. I Back then I saw this was just a brutal, indulgent, violent for violence sake, sure. offensive sure. for offensive sake. Uh, movie with like some some uh, taking shots at making it humorous but I realized it seems to me especially after this last time this dude was trying to make a full-blown comedy like the way British humor goes over a lot of American heads French humor goes way over mine from time to time um yeah this 
I realized like this motherfucker, like the way he, when he gets drunk, I'm like, he's like the shittiest actor ever, but he made it himself and he wrote it and directed it. And then I realized, wait a minute, he's not a shitty actor. He's just trying to be like the pink Panther of serial killers. Like he's all those weird movements that he does. I'm like, he's just trying to be super French funny. And it's, it's, but it's subtle and it's buried so deep. Because, I mean, they are French after all. They're trying really hard. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like I lost a lot of the comedy when I watched it at a younger age, too. But now looking back on it and watching it more recently, you can see that there is some of that, like, humor is lost in the translation. But this guy that directs it and wrote it uh, and has been in the film is named Benyard Povorty. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes on and he is like a huge French comedic actor now. Like he's been in like fucking 50 movies or some shit like this. Yeah. It's, it's insane. And all the previews, I, I don't understand French and most of them don't have subtitles, but he looks like the fucking Ben Stiller of France. Honestly, like it's yeah. just, he's a wow. successful fucking comedic actor over there. So for him to start with this and not only just start as that his, first acting gig he fucking wrote some of this shit a lot of that dialogue is Mm ad-libbed it's really genius in its own way Mm -hmm. Um, yeah it was the sorry it was the uh basically the four of them together overall i mean like um ben benoit definitely seems like the creative leading force but remy the uh you know the long-haired remy who also plays you know remy uh in the film um he was like a big part of that uh creative process as well so all four of them together put this together but i could see how benoit is that leading creative force because he's obviously the actor the performer the presence you know Mm -hmm. so it's not surprising it became the star he did and i imagine because this got its push both um, in Europe through cans and stuff, but it was pushed in America, which is very bizarre as well, considering, you know, it's a brutal, violent, funny foreign film. Right. Um, it's not surprising he became the star given the push that it got globally. Sure. I guess it's just, it's, it's, I would be surprised if he became a star here or in the UK or something like that after this as a jumping off point, that would be fucking bizarre. But I think that, I think that him becoming a, a star in France, it does make some amount of sense. It does. Uh, it does. Because I don't know if you've ever come, I've known a few French people in my time and they've explained, tried to explain French comedy to me. And I've actually, they've actually shown me their funnies and their, and their newspapers and such and translated. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh-huh, you have been raped. <laughs> and I'm looking at them going, what the? <laughs> so there is that, there is that um, disconnect. Definitely. So there is that even going into the even going into this film, even though even if it's 1992, where things were a bit more loose, shall we say? Sure, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, um, yeah. The body count's actually pretty high, not as high oh. as I actually seem to recall. Like as a kid, I was like, oh, there's like hundreds of people. But really, what it is is he talks about a bunch. I mean, the people that he talks about that he murders that aren't in the film, that number somewhere in like 15 or so. Um, <laughs> but there's 43 kills there's 43 bodies that you see in the film um 44 if you count the rat that's on a stick at the end um yeah so um another thing just kind of trivia about this flick we were gonna we were gonna kind of go over some things uh this movie was like you said pushed in america but the rape scene was truncated 
um, they, they cut that way, way, way down and they showed the final product with the couple dead and, and all that, but they didn't show the sexual violence. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the other thing that got cut was when he goes to that house, remember he gets all bent out of shape and they end up going to the suburbs to do a job and he ends up killing, he hunts down and then kills the kid. Um, so that part, like the murder was in there, but him hunting for the kid was cut out in America. Yes, correct. Yeah. Correct. Because it got a, um, you guys could explain this to me here, uh, NC 17 rating it received. What is that exactly? Sure. So this is important actually, because this is the first movie, the MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America has a rating system. We in America care a great deal more about sex than violence. So sure. yeah. Um, yeah. not not the royal we. I mean the powers that be. Not in terror. We don't give a fuck. The puritanical history, yeah. Yeah. All right, thank you. So, so NC 17, NC 17, this is the first movie to get an NC 17 based on violence alone. Because they cut the rape scene. Now there's no sexual violence. They kept I mean, they, so, but they kept all the rest of the shootings and the strangulations and all that stuff. So they were the, this is the first movie in America to get an NC-17 rating on violence alone. Before that, anything that would have been considered NC-17 would go straight to X. But by this yes. point in America, the pornography industry had taken hold of the X rating and made it their own brand. Thus, kind of fucking it up for the MPAA. Porn strikes again. They're kind of mm-hmm, awesome. Of course. They're the leaders, they're <laughs> the leaders in 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 home viewing technology. It's excellent. All that shit. Porn's a heavy, heavy competitor and a heavy hand moving motion pictures in the world, but especially mm-hmm. in America. Um, yes, it's definitely a heavy hand movement, the porn industry here in in America, you know, very heavy handed. Leading cause of analysis. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the NC-17 rating means like, so that means, okay, if it's R-rated in America, you can, if I want to take my, my 12-year-old daughter to go see an R-rated movie, if she's with me, they won't say shit. But if it's NC-17, they're not going to let her come in the door even if she's with me. It's yes. just this much above R. Um, okay. And quite honestly, this is I, my daughter's seen some heavy stuff, but I'm like, you know what? You're not watching this one. <laughs> yeah, and it's mainly <laughs> specific to horror because if not, it's rated X because of tits. But the things that are too gory to be just R-rated have to be NC-17. So it's actually a really small percentage of any films that come out here because right. And I don't even think they follow it as much as they do any, did anymore. You know, during the early 90s when this came out, this was a big thing. And uh, I don't think that they really apply it to a lot of stuff now because, I mean, it's all coming out on the fucking computer anyways. They're going to all be out of jobs, which, fuck those people. Tipper Gore's going to be out of a job because of this shit. I was going to say, this is kind of on the heels of the PMRC, NWA, 2 Live Crew, Ice-T, all that shit. It's on the heels of that that the MPAA starts doing this with movies. And the funny, this is a funny tidbit about the rating. The what can get you moved from PG 13 to R is as simple as one F word. If you say fuck once and it doesn't pertain to actually having sex with somebody, 
you can say it in a PG-13 movie. If you say it more than once, no matter the connotation, it's an R rating immediately. Oh, yeah. Which is the dumbest shit I ever heard in my life. There's there's a thing with dick and penis, and you have to can say one and not the other, and context and, vice versa. Yeah, yeah. And the context is super important. It's not, but it is to the fucking yeah. puritanical dickheads that put stickers on things. Okay, I got you. I got you. And how crazy, how crazy in 2021 it's now available on YouTube, the whole uncut thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So since we're talking about it getting banned and moved around, it, it the video version of this got banned in Ireland only 12 years ago. Which oh, really? Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> and Sweden, and Sweden as well. I think that got banned. Was it the same year? I thought it got banned a long time ago. I, yeah, I think yeah. a wee while ago for Sweden. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I think yeah. is the is the movie is just flat out banned in Sweden. I think. I think so. Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. Yes, they can be quite uh, little extra puritanical in their own way. The Swedes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think that like it was pushed on American audiences because I remember this coming to the video store and they put it in like the the international section. This wasn't even in the horror movie section in most American markets. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, and it wasn't until like maybe 94, 95 that it got released here. You know, it was later than when it auditioned in Cannes or whatever, premiered in Cannes. But when it did come out, it had another movie that I kind of want to compare it to because it's in black and white and done on a shoestring budget with a whole shit ton of fucking dialogue. And that's Clerks. So Americans yeah. were kind of primed for this shit. You know, and as weird as that sounds, that this movie about a fucking serial killer is comparable to Clerks, I think that that's what's lost on the American market as this being a black comedy. Is that we were just not prepared for that. And Kevin Smith did it with fucking jokes about, you know, Star Wars and cock and balls and shit like that. Mm. But the French aspect of the the humor was lost in the American or even English speaking audience. And... That's why it never and, took off, but it, it definitely and, gets recognition. And the French jokes, like um, that, we find extreme. They probably find as extreme as we find the clerks' jokes. Maybe <laughs> I'm just throwing sure. it out there. You never. Who yeah. knows? So Who with knows? the clerks' thing, Terry, that you said that it, you think that that had something to do with it. You think was Man Bites Dog? Was it pushed here several years after it came out? Because Clerks came out a couple of years after Man Bites Dog did. Yeah, but it wasn't pushed on American audiences until later. Till like and 95 or 6 or something, huh? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is It's not Got like it. it premiered at Cannes and then we had it the next year. It took a couple of years for it to get distributed and fucking subtitled and all that shit, you know? Especially mm-hmm. back then. It's not like they could do it over the internet. They had to fucking send it over in a manila envelope, you know? Right. Um, addition, another funny thing that got weird was the poster artwork. The original poster artwork, for some reason, even though, yeah, he does kill a kid, but he doesn't kill any babies. Uh, the poster art has him shooting at the ground and a baby's pacifier popping up. In Europe, I think specifically Australia as well, it was changed to dentures. Um, 100%. And, uh, and the, 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 the pacifier thing was changed here as well. Um, it's gone back and forth a couple of times, but... It's on HBO Max right now, and the poster art is the one with the pacifier, and it's the original version with that's uncut. Um, oh, it's a weird well, that's, one. Yeah, 
that's HBO, you know, and Max as well, I guess. Yeah, they're not going to yeah. censor. Yeah, yeah. It's, I've it's got just both so the posters. I've got both the posters. They're both, sorry, both posters are available online. You can see both. That's yeah. right. So it is, is this a movie that's, I know in Australia there, there have been some banned movies. Cannibal Holocaust, I think, is still banned there. Um, so is this not one of them? This you can is available to you out there? Or? Um, around 92. I remember watching it around 92, 95 myself. Yeah. So and that was in New Zealand. I'll have a look. Sorry, I'll have a look. No, 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 sweat. Um, I was going to say, so the rape scene was kind of the big one, too. Um, to me, that really seemed like they were, it seemed like they were trying to pay tribute to and also outdo, in a way, Clockwork Orange. It was very... It was like Clerks meets Clockwork Orange with a gun. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, apparently, yeah, the also, scene is brutal and, uh, in compared to all the other violence. Even like, so they start out with the train killing, and it's really well done. And there's this claustrophobic atmosphere within the cinematography and stuff that, because they're on a train, and there's that claustrophobic nature of the soundtrack too of the train going through things. So it's really rad and it's well done. He's like screaming, but screaming under his breath. Yeah. Really good scene. But you see her blink a couple of times. And there are other points where the deaths are just so quick and stuff. It makes it like any other horror movie. But then you get to the rape scene and the rape scene is the fucking most drawn out part of the entire film. It's literally the longest death scene by probably double, you know, and And, and you don't see the murder. You don't see the murder. It is just the rape. And it's when they find the crew, like, just all abandoned, goes out and joins the killer and become part of the, you know, situation as well. It's another, it's, a, it's like a second turning point for them. Yeah. 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 Um, it's very interesting you're talking about turning points as well, because it starts off the very first kill scene, uh, notwithstanding. But from there, it starts off as a very much a mockumentary, uh, or very, sorry, very much a documentary style. But the more turning points the film crew crosses, yeah, um, mm-hmm. the rape scene, the killing of the kid, the shooting of the film, uh, the second film crew, just beginning with simple things, with dragging the bodies of the victims, you know, just very simple. But the more it progresses, the more it becomes uh, more in the style of an actual film, more so than uh, found footage uh, horror, if you will, or, or documentary. Sure. Does that make sense? Because... Oh, um, and um, so, and so, so it's a case of like um, objectivity and maintaining objectivity. They're losing their obje- objectivity, and it's questioning the audience as it becomes more filmic um, whether we are maintaining our objectivity as well. Um, even though there is humour thrown in there, but that's just, that's to test us. Yeah, that's also to test us the black comedy, test our morals as well, watching this, you know. I don't know, I just wanted to throw that out there as well. No, I'm with you, I'm with you. And I think think that that is the second turning point, as I said. I think the first one is when they kill the Black Knight Watchman, and that is the first time they help him do anything. They help him move the body. Um, And that is... The point where he kills the old woman and the point where he kills the Black Knight Watchman is when you really get to find out what's going on inside Ben's head. You find out he is a narcissistic, racist, nationalist, weird, know-it-all son of a bitch. You really find uh, out, like, okay, this dude's a piece of garbage. What you never find out is, he. what you never see is 
motivation for exactly why he's doing anything other than money. Um, but yeah, you do you do see this this uh, this change in the film crew, starting with them helping with the Night Watchmen, and then and then finally joining in and actually raping and murdering somebody. Uh, uh, he even he, I think he even yells at them for not helping him with the kid. Uh, when he do, when he when he does does that particular home invasion and, and kills the parents and the kid, yeah, yeah, it's really the main plot point of this entire film because other than that, there's not much conflict going on. It's just him and going around and killing people, and it's like, oh, these are my fucking people that I'm kind of friends with and stuff. The only main plot point is the the film crew. They they have the conflict in the plot, not. Him. He's doing what he does, you know, yeah. even him getting arrested later on and like this scene with his mom in the jail and shit like that. It's Valerie. It's not even important to the plot. None of that. Ha- it's just filler. It's just filler to get to the point where we're talking about the film crew that's filming this and what their relationship with this killer is and the conflict yeah. within themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Notice that notice that when the sound men die, which is also that's a running joke that is that reeks of spinal tap. You know, (laughs) where all the drummers are constantly dying. But this time it's the sound man, which I'm like, okay, I see this. But Ben never gives a shit when the sound guys die. He never cares. You know, he's like, let's go. Let's go drive for two hours and go get muscles and wine right now. I'm buying. They're like, yo, man, our guy just tapped. Like, can we can we have him yeah. right off? He never he does cares. it very performatively. He kind of you know gives him a wee hug. Ah, don't worry, it's a dangerous you know occupational hazard, which Remy you know takes on that kind of thought process later on. Yeah, and I thought that that was another nod towards his selfishness and his narcissism because it, you see more and more of that as the film goes by. How much he cares about himself and nothing else. Oh, he's a see you next. He's a see you next Tuesday of the highest order, and the and the directors, the crew, those four guys who mm-hmm. make the film, they really make sure he is made easily hateable. Yeah, right, and he, I mean, he becomes a flat out bully by the end of the thing. You know, totally, totally. Um, even the worst would probably be the example where he's at the bar and he's drunk and he's bullying the barmaid. He's bullying the guys on the film crew worse than he has in the movie, and then gets thrown out of the bar. And starts just tearing up the streets. And then he goes and does a quick home invasion just to do it and rapes and murders a couple and makes the husband watch. It's, you know, it's it's all about him. He's singing about when he's drunk about being on film. It's all he cares Cinema. About. Cinema. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, he, I mean, he even bankrolls the film crew when they run out of money because he's like, I can't have the cameras not be on me. You know, yes, it's that narcissistic nature of it for sure. Right, and and um, I feel I'm sure you guys are agree with me. They this whole thing is kind of an enigma wrapped in a riddle. It, well, not that it's just layered like an onion. Where they're trying to, I feel like they're trying to point out, you know, television shows like Cops and television shows of this nature that follow people around and it's a glimpse of the real world. It's a glimpse in the real life. But then also it kind of points it back at the audience and goes, you're fucking watching this, aren't you? You're watching mm-hmm. this horror show and enjoying every tantalizing second of it. So they kind yeah. of put it on you to accept some of the responsibility for what you're watching by making it so brutal. I mean, were you with me on that? Or Yeah, it's definitely... 
you know, it's it's a good film. It's a really fucking good film. <laughs> and, and I think that the way it progresses and then it actually has, I really like the way it finishes off, you know, that he has to confront his own, like, tragedy. He finally has something tragic happen to him because someone close to him dies, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point, he's like, goes into this fucking fight or flight mode and he's about to take off and instead of it having this long drawn out plot twist that we're gonna have this accumulation of thought it's just no fuck you fuck you fuck you you're all dead mm-hmm. like that's how little all this life and all any of this really matter you know a hundred percent yeah nihilism this film has yes. its nihilism. very nihilistic film yeah. right I mean, which is 1992 to a T. Yeah, it's it's yeah. starting. It's on the tail end of the 80s, which was narcissism and cocaine and and some really great music and some really bad music. Like it was a deal, and and some some really bad fashion and choices in architecture and things as well. <laughs> what did you guys think about that that the gentrification? that's in there like he hammers on gentrification Good really question. hard where he goes on that rant but it's all self-serving bullshit it's not that he cares about poor people it turns out that he's just mad that he's got to look at it you know terry well on our show i've talked about my boss before i made the best joke that i've ever done in my entire career of being a podcast totally at my boss's expense. And this motherfucker lived in France. I'm not going to tell that joke because it's too funny. I got to wait until like episode three to use that one. All but right. he lived in France, right? And he said that it's very kind of like California as far as the uh, weather is and stuff like that. And you have these rolling hills and it's very temperate and stuff. But when you get into the city, there is a lot of this like kind of social fucking... Uh, housing and they're like projects but not really and it's like really quiet outside and I think that's what that was trying to portray and it's just kind of lost on I don't know a Californian audience so I think that that's what the gentrification part that he's talking about because when he kills the old lady and fucking gives her a heart attack you know uh, it's more about like just the well-being I don't know I think it's a French thing that I missed along with a bunch of these jokes Fair enough. Well, one one thing I will address what you said is maybe it's a California thing. No, it's an American thing. All of America has the decency to have their project buildings and their bad neighborhoods look like project buildings and bad neighborhoods. There's graffiti over here that's crossed out by other graffiti that's crossed out by other graffiti. There are beer bottles and there are shopping carts overturned. There are junkies laying on the sidewalk. There are crack vials and, and crack pipes laying broken on the street. And there's, and there's bum encampments. There's all kinds of shit. You know, oh, people sell dope here and people right. gangbang here. Mm-hmm. This is rough. Mm-hmm. France, there's I've like been Broken cars and dumpsters and stuff. And I think that that's what like I, my boss was trying to explain to me is that like those are kind of the ghettos. It's just that they're not covered in graffiti and stuff. And right. there's not like people selling crack on the corner. So it same looks, thing in Canada. It looks really nice to us. It, right. I guess it's different over there. <laughs> is it? Hey, is it? Is it anything like that down in Queensland, Gene? It is, but to a very much like ten or zero point ten percent of what you're talking about. Basically, it's a numbers game. Yeah. 
Okay, so the but the hood, the hood doesn't, it looks like the hood. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. <laughs> yeah, the signifiers uh, can be easily read. But in terms of um, signifiers and that such things, with, with what you were talking about when he's going through the neighborhood that was supposedly done up, reintroducing the old people, the gentrification, mix, getting them mixing back in with the local community, but mm-hmm. only doing it for cosmetic reasons, you know. Um, but my point is, dovetailing on what you were saying, is that he liked the idea of it, but only if they had nice architecture and gardens, manicured gardens, not the fact they're helping old people. Yeah. And yeah. you said at the very start, this guy kills for money. That's it. He could kill. He cares about architecture, uh, animals, even and poetry and philosophy and being looking like a French, you know, uh, a seat more <laughs> than um, helping out people in any way whatsoever. He's no Dexter about this shit. Yeah. I, there's no there's no moral code. As a matter of fact, when he talks about killing kids, he's like, it's not like I haven't done it. He just it's just not it's not lucrative. It makes no money. Yes. So there's no it makes too many waves, noise, ripples. He yeah. sees it as 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 doing work for free. If he's if he's doing that, this is his job. He he's got some very strange uh, viewpoints too. I mean, he I've never seen an old popper. Now maybe that's French, but I'm like. There's plenty of old old poppers in the world, at least here in America. You know, the, the thing about midgets having denser bones, no, that's not necessarily true. I, I think his math is completely wrong on that, man, because I remember that specifically. And he says you have to do three times the body weight. And this guy's just like, and right after that, immediately after that, he throws this thing over his shoulder and like chucks into the thing. I'm like, that thing's at least 100 pounds. And then if you fucking three times that, that's a another 300 pounds so you just threw fucking 400 pounds on your back and threw that shit over there you did so, not do that you no hey, i want to bring hey. something else up this but this has always bugged me about this movie because this guy's clearly this he's a professional he's been doing it for at least five years if i remember somewhere in the movie it kind of says that's what he's been up to but this motherfucker has all this mass figured out about how to sink a body and keep it sunk and i'm going you know I don't do this for a living, and I still know that it's just simple biology. If you, the reason that it comes back up to the top is air expands and then the body floats back up. So you get rid of the ballast by piercing the stomach, the abdomen, and both lungs. Now it doesn't happen at all. And you can weigh it down with basically whatever the body weighs, not even that much, and it'll stay down there. So he's doing extra work for no reason. I'm like, he's been doing this this long and this motherfucker doesn't know how to do this. Like, well, maybe it's kilos. Is ki- Are kilograms less than a pound? Kilograms? Uh, We're doing American yeah. math here, man. Oh, jeez, don't, don't make me convert. But yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it it's not my forte either. <laughs> I only ever sold cocaine so I could learn the metric system. Um <laughs> So, um, but, but but sorry, but with what you're saying there, um, with his maths as well, and it all, I also throw his poetry in this in there as well because it's flipping bollocks. <laughs> it is bad, <laughs> bad, bad poetry. Um, you're talking about how trying to trying to get the moral code, a clear kind of intent behind this film and what it's saying. It's all mixed yes. in, making him like this with his bad maths, bad poetry. You really can't read exactly where he's coming from. It's all part of it. That's what I think. A hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree. Um, Remember, we were. T- I also mentioned that, that that he doesn't seem to have any real trauma or sadness in his life, other than he does make mention that he sounds like he was with a woman or a, was married and she left him for some reason. He seems a little 
angry about that, but it wasn't like some Ted Bundy shit. He's not that mad at women. You know what I mean? So all of this, this coldness and the fact that there's all of this humor laid throughout of it, I realized something else. Like I said, I realized I'm watching a different movie than I ever thought I was by the end of it, especially today. I'm like the humor, the fact that it's funny and cartoonish actually makes it a little more horrifying. It makes it, it, it makes it darker somehow. Oh, it, hell yeah. Yeah, and I just didn't quite pick up on this subtlety, which is, I will give to the French, they are really good at subtlety, man. Yeah, yeah, I concur, definitely. Because um, you just watch a whole bunch of brutal, you watch a brutal murder or at least a montage, you know, of brutal murders, and then he's there grinning with his, uh, his postie gear. Uh, I usually start the day with a postie. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Well, you know what? I I didn't find that it's very funny, but I actually laughed out loud when the next scene shows him from the side and he's wearing the hat and carrying the bag. I'm like, somehow I found that really funny. And that was the point. Actually, that point was where I realized I'm like, this dude looks like somebody. And I'm like, it, it's kind of a little Michael Rappaportish he looks like. But then I realized he looks like a lot of the faces that he makes are like a caricature of Robert De Niro, but he looks like Robert De Niro uh, with a serious heroin problem. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. I can see that. <laughs> he makes these faces, you know, with the like downturned lips that I got a big beard. You can't see my lip, but you yeah. know what I'm saying? He's fuck. He makes these funny, like cartoonish Goodfellas faces all he the does. time with this. He does. He does. Eye. It's so bizarre. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's very, and he is—he is like definitely being trained in French comedy as well. I don't know if you remember, um, like the guy, the the postie on the bicycle as well. The, there's a lot of history of slapstick in French comedy as yes. well, and if you mix in the darker side of French humor as well, this is quite the embodiment. So these guys know about film as well. They're citing classic film references throughout. So I wouldn't be surprised if he's working off Robert De Niro, but a very much fucked up funhouse version of Robert De Niro. Yeah. Right. And like I said, I can see nods to Stanley Kubrick and I can see nods mm -hmm. to all, all exactly like all these things, even even, uh, you know, Rob Reiner and Christopher Guest. You can see some certain sure. elements. It's really it's yeah. fun. It's kind of, I mean, but I had to That's watch cool. this a bunch of fucking times. <laughs> To see this yeah to really get it and i think that that's what it is is that like if this was is in your face to an american or english-speaking audience like it does have that aspect that it's like it it hits home that these are our film students and like they have studied film and so they're gonna write these dialogue pieces and make a cheap movie that it's fucking awesome as fuck. It's trauma, but it's French, and it's also clerks at the same time somehow. And I'd, it's also I'd fucking a little Romero. Orange. I don't know. And a little Romero as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. Kind of the guerrilla tactics of Romero combined with all the elements Terry just explained. I, I couldn't agree yeah. more. Um, nice. Another fun fact, fun fact about the film. I think we got some other stuff we could probably get into if you guys are satisfied with where we're at. Yeah, I want to move on to a fist fight, man. Let's talk so, about something so like I that. Wanted to, I wanted to say that, did you guys know that Benoit, who, who, the main character slash writer slash director, and his parents, those are his actual parents and grandparents. I'm sure you knew that. Yes. In the movie. yes. They did not know this was a movie about a serial killer until the scene where he was in jail. <laughs> I am mind blown <laughs> when I learned that. Mind blown. And that it is was from a, a genius. 
it wasn't a good day for them. Like it fucked them up. And I'm like, oh, this dude's doing some William Friedkin shit where he's yeah. he's putting his own parents through this rough spot so that so that he could get a performance out of them when he's in fucking jail. It was wild, man. Yeah, I, I well in that, yeah, 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 definitely. Oh, awesome. Making an exploitation film with your own parents, I swear, parents. man. Before we move on to the next gimmick, I have one more thing. There is a scene where in the bar, it's the it's the scene where in the bar and they get really fucked up and they're drinking a drink called Petite Gregory. Um, that is based. That drink is a is a real drink that exists, and it's based off of a French murder. Allow me, if you will. This kid's name was Gregory Villemin, and I apologies to anybody that speaks French out there. I'm gonna fuck it up. But but this kid was four years old. He was born in 1980. In 1984, October 16th, he's playing in his front yard, goes missing around 5 p.m. 5.30 rolls around, and his uncle calls the mother and father who were, you know, calling the police and reporting him missing. He was found about two and a half miles or four kilometers from his home where he was playing. He was, right. his hands were bound and tied and he had a wool uh-huh. mat wool hat pulled over his face and he was floating in the river uh yeah. i actually wrote it down it was the valone river and so this drink is gin it's oh. i'll do the proportion that was a bartender the, the the drink is called petite gregory or a dead baby boy whichever one you want to call it and it's, that's a fucked up drink you're going to go to the bar and order a dead baby boy. Christ. One, and it's a, a bartender would be pissed at you because here's how it's made. One part gin to four parts tonic. So it's just a gin and tonic. But then you have to take an olive and use string, dental floss, whatever you want. Tie that to a sugar cube and then drop it. The sugar cube is an anchor and it melts away in the gin and the bubbles and it, it fizzes up. And then the olive floats to the top, mm-hmm. which is what was done to this kid. So it's a yeah. fucked up drink to order on several levels. Damn. <laughs> yeah, Damn. man. I, d- I, I didn't that. know I that. I a rabbit hole of this one, and I, ha- I couldn't let I it. I didn't like know that. Happen. Wow. Well done, done, sir. Well done. That's, there that's is dark. A, there yeah. is a documentary on Netflix called Who Killed Little Gregory? It came out like a year and a half ago. Uh, I started watching it. And Terry and I do a variety show, true crime podcast, and I wasn't fin- I didn't finish it. I tapped. Yeah, fair I like, ah, I'm not doing this. So let's let's move on to some fun gimmicks, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. I think we've done everything. I think we've covered everything. Just should we do a check in? We definitely covered everything that we need to want to okay. talk about with Man by Stock. I'm comfortable, and we can bring more stuff up later. But if you guys, well, can. let's do the gimmicks, and Absolutely. then I got a couple of comparative films as well. Okay, so let's start. Let's start with um, okay. So there's the there's the the product placement. This is a thing we wanted to do. Product placement propaganda is a segment. Yeah. Um, but this particular one, I think all of us found the same one. It was Stella Artois. Yeah. But I think, and we all agree that was just kind of happenstance. It was just it just happened to be there in the bar, and they made this for thirty thousand dollars. I think what was it? A million francs. Right. Not sure. Yeah. Sure. I think it was a million Belgian francs, which translates to give or take thirty thousand dollars. Even in '92, that's fucking nothing to make a movie. That's nothing. Um, Clerks was, I think, twice that much. Um, and so, 
that that all being said, we kind of are looking for people ruining movies. You're not going to find this in classic horror product placement. You're really going to find it mostly in the newer stuff where yeah. the only way they can get their budget up is to do that. But there's nobody wants to be associated with Man Bites Dog. It's too fucking brutal. Um, so I think it was Stella Artois, and then there were some French products that were just kind of haphazardly in the background. Well, they go into the he goes into the, visits his whole family, and they own the market. So there's all kinds of French products like in the right. background, but I didn't really recognize them other than the beer because it's fucking really at least here. Um, they did smoke Winston's. She had packs of Winston's and fucking Marlboro's behind her. Uh, and, uh, okay. you know, but other than that, I don't think it was really pivotal, but they also didn't take the fucking effort to block it all out because I don't know if mm. French laws are different. Maybe they don't have to do that. They didn't have any repo man moments when they covered up all their logos or anything. All right. Move that, that one will probably come up in later episodes, I'm sure. But let's move on to a fun one, Jobber Royale. Um, I'm not sure exactly how we're going to do this every week, but this week I came up with one. Maybe down the road we'll each come up with one or or we'll switch it around, uh, kind of uh, go in a cycle through the group. I'm not sure. But sure. this one, Jobber Royale. Jobber Royale is side characters. It can't be a main character. Who wins in a fight? I want to know who do you think would win in a fight? Jenny, which is that old uh, kind of, I think she might be a hooker type gimmick. Yes. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Right? Okay, so the, I think Jenny the hooker and Malou the bartender. Who wins in a fight? That is exactly the one that I had in my head as well there, good sir. I love the syncopation. <laughs> This is the best fist fight that yeah. we could have came up with. I'm thinking that this fist fight goes on for a long time, too. Yeah. This is like fucking Rocky Four status fucking going for round and round on this yeah. fist fight. So it's a difficult decision to make because you know that Jane's been, she's been fucking, she's seen some shit, especially after you see her when she's sitting there on the table and her friend gets her. His head blown off. The birthday party. Like nothing even happened. She ain't even phased. She didn't fucking blink, dog. She just had blood on her face, like still eating cake. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 And she calls him sir as well. She's in survival mode. She knows exactly what to do with Benoit. She's been maybe have probably been through this before as well. Earlier, Um, Earlier in the movie. Uh, when they first introduce her, he tell he basically says she got thrown out of her house by this real estate developer that was uh, building a new uh, building, and he exactly. fucking went and whacked it. So she yeah. feels indebted to him possibly, but also she knows what he's capable of. And if she's a hooker, she's probably used to being slightly subservient, but also she I guarantee you she can throw hands because she had to at some point. Here's the one thing about her: she's kind of let herself go. I don't think she's all that healthy. You know what I mean? So it's shown in the movie. Yep. After throwing a couple of punches, if she doesn't knock Malou out, Malou's going to just bob and weave a couple times and then pop, pop, pop. It's over. I mean, okay. Malou's definitely like 15 years younger than her at least. So she's definitely got the, the, the age and the athleticism, but I don't know, man, that is a hardened woman, dude. She's fucking tanning her ass while she's getting fucked. <laughs> she's tanning her ass. While she's spreading her legs, man. Gene, what do you got, buddy? 
Malou is a bartender as well, and she puts up with Benoit as well. She's thrown him out more than once. She's in, she serves in a bar that sells dead baby boys with the public knowledge of what that right. cocktail is all about as well. I think you've got a seriously hard woman in Malou. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's my bit. I, I'm going Malou, and it and it has to do. I honestly didn't take have the takeaway that she was a lot younger, maybe a couple of years, but. I feel like she stays on her feet. She stays moving. And this old French yeah. whore just, just lays around all fucking day and eats cheese and drinks brandy. So I feel like they're nearly the same. And also, I'm pretty sure the old French whore probably did a whole bunch of fucking blow. She's got to have some something to get through the day, right? So she looks older than she is, if that makes sense. But I'm going Malou all day. I think she's on her feet all day. She can bob and weave. She can dance back and forth, run circles around this broad, tire her out, and then pop, just one on the side, one one right of square on the chin with a right cross, and it's a mummy wrap. I'm going Malou. Nah, fuck that, dude. I'll take both of your money. I'm going with the, yeah, no. That lady has lived through some shit, and Malou's going to be fucking hitting her and fucking, she thinks, thinks she's down. She thinks she's down, but she's on her knees. Malou goes, oh, I feel really bad about hitting this old lady and shit. Fucking walks over. Boom. Uppercut. Fucking, you shall not pass. Just fucking body slams Malou. She's done, dude. There's no way, man. She she spent her entire life, and this is France, and we know how they feel about the weird sexual violence and stuff. She's lived through multiple pimps and shit, and she's leathery as fuck because of that bed. (laughs) Oh, Oh, what a qualifier. Not, like, Malou can't even fucking break a bottle and try to stab her, dude. She's going to fucking break a bottle on the bar and be like, I'm a bartender. I don't take no shit. And try to stab her and stuff. And fucking Jane's going to be like, dude, I get tan while I'm spreading my legs. Fucking skin is like leather. They call her old leather. Uh, and fucking it's just that bounce off. beer yeah. bottle, that shattered beer bottle, it just fucking grazes her like a goddamn leather jacket. <laughs> Gene, I guess you're the tiebreaker, buddy. What do you got? Oh, God damn, am I? First time round as well. Uh, both very good arguments, Seth. We've got two top-tier competitors stepping into the <laughs> ring with Malou and Jenny. But who's going to take the job belt? Who actually... Reverend Terry, God damn, when you, brought, when you brought in the history of various pimps, yeah? And she yeah. knows how to move houses to avoid people because it's my theory she was trying to get away with Benoit at the start because Benoit had to uh, track her down as mm. well. But she was still she's cool and calm as well. But the, the various pimps, including Benoit, if you will, and that tanning bed with the leather. I see it, the leather skin. Yeah, I could, she could take, you know, those little Stella Artois glasses all day. I'm sorry there, we Ryan. It has to be first time. Uh, winner is uh, Jenny. <laughs> I'm not mad at this. I'm really not mad. I, I, I will tell you, you haven't swayed me. I'm going to tell you one last thing. I, I understand I'm not mad at anything anyone said. But here's the thing. Jenny, yeah, she's been through some shit. But Malou has seen some shit. She's served the Jennies of the world for fuck 30, 45 years. And I get the feeling Malou owns this bar. So if you own the bar, you definitely got to be hard as nails. She's thrown Ben out a bunch of times. She's thrown all kinds of hooligans, soccer hooligans on match day. You know that she has. And doesn't even, did you notice when she threw Ben and four other dudes out at the same time? She's like, I'm not even worried about it, but you guys are fucking leaving. She didn't bat an eye. She's hard as nails. I just think she took a little bit better care of herself. Probably saw these people drinking themselves to death and she went, yeah, you know, I'm going to quit drinking while I'm on the shift all the time. And so her skin's a little better. But you're right. Weapons come into it. 
I'm going to have to go with Jenny because that bitch got a stiletto and she's going to carve her up, carve Malou up like a Christmas goddamn goose. And if she hits her with a bottle, Jenny's going to be like, shit, I got hit with a brick by my pimp earlier. You think a Stella bottle is doing shit? I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. There we go. There we All go, right. gentlemen. So Jenny, Jenny takes it. One for Malou, two for Jenny. Um, what do we got? What else do we got here, gentlemen? I feel like we have one other gimmick to talk about. I do want to bring up a couple of films that are in English that also deal with filming your murders. So we have back in 1982, the last horror film. This is kind of like an American-Italian joint process. It's filmed in New York, but also filmed in uh, at Cannes, the film festival, okay? So this is directed by David Winters but it's starring Joe Spinell and Caroline Monroe from the original Maniac film. And this is an obvious next, it's like basically Maniac 2, for whatever reason, since it was Italian, it didn't receive as much of a release here in America, but it's called The Last Horror Film, AKA Fanatic, if you can find a copy of it here in America. Um, It's fucking amazing. It is basically the maniac, but he decides he's going to be a director and he starts fucking filming all of his murders and starts stalking Caroline Monroe. It's very Uh basic to maniac, but it's a little bit closer to this documentary sense of uh, taking films and stuff like that. There was also the 2003, a British film, and it's called The Last Whore Movie. Um, Yeah, and it was uh, released here in the States through Fangoria, um, directed by Julian Richards. It has a lot of the dark comedy aspects. It's almost scene to scene. Like a lot of the murders are recreated and a lot of the dialogue is very, very close. Just so this is a revisit. It's a revisit. It's a, it's a revisit. I would call it a revisit, okay. you know? Okay. It, of of it, the last four. No, this is a revisit of uh, Man Bites Dog. Man Bites. What year yes. was the... What year was the last horror film, the first one you mentioned? 82. 82. Yeah. And then the last horror movie is 2003. Right. Uh, British one. Um, And this this 2003 one is very, very close to Man Bites Dog. It seems like it was just remade for English-speaking audiences. It has a lot of that monologue, dialogue. But the guy's not as good of an actor, and he's even more full of himself. The murders are brutal. Pretense is a little bit cooler because there's more of a plot line, and it involves VHS, but it's still not as good as Man Bites Dog. All right. And, you, yeah. You recommend uh, it? Yeah, worth watching? If you really, really love Man Bites Dog, you can watch this film and then you don't have to read the fucking subtitles. But the, the monologues get really long and boring in it and they are not nearly as good and they're not nearly as funny. And that's me knowing the language. So it's yeah, sure. it's right. probably fucking 30 minutes too long. Someone dies within the first two minutes. So, I mean, I got to give it that. Yeah. No, five seconds, though. Yeah, right. Get your life together. There you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's no pigeon. Pigeon. <laughs> that was so but the, bad, the last horror film with Joe Spinell is is really worth checking out because it does predate it by a lot. And it is that I'm gonna make my own movie about me fucking killing people. And if you like Maniac, you gotta watch it. It's no doubt really good. 
Um, we do have one more gimmick, unless Gene, do you have any recommendations for anybody? It's not a man bite, man bites dog style documentary, but it still documents dark things, dark activities. Uh, the houses that October built one and two, we have ex- haunted sites, attractions over there. There's extreme haunted sites. Well, there's the rumor, the underground legends of extreme haunted sites where people really get messed up uh, when they go through these attractions. The houses that October built is a documentary crew that tries to find the most extreme and oh boy, do they. Yeah, it's is kind it, of, you know, in the same universe. Go, sorry. It, is it a, it's not a legit documentary. It's a mockumentary or? It's a film. Got it. Got if it. you know what I mean. Yeah, got me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I have one too. And this is one that just fell on my lap while I was doing research and I needed something in the background that wasn't Man Bites Dog. And I put, I came across a movie called Mortuary. Are you hip to this one? Oh, fuck yeah, man. Mortuary is no. rad. I no. forgot about it. 1982, and it's Bill Paxton. And he's, yeah, a, man. he's a fucking funeral director. He's like a kid. And he is awesome in it. He's a whiny bitch when he's supposed to be. And he's, I mean, it's great. There's some weird cult, satanic type shit going on. And it's it, it's it's great. I mean, I won't get into much because if I mention anything, it ruins it. But basically, people are getting killed by a cloaked figure with a dagger seemingly for ritualistic purposes and they're getting their blood drained and in this tap and you know hilarity ensues <laughs> sounds good I'm, I'm all right it. we have one more gimmick i almost forgot about it bit oh violence who Sweet. wants to go first favorite bit of violence from from this film there's plenty to pick from <laughs> i gotta say first off is the the old lady heart attack honestly it's my favorite kill of the film it's just like, and it's not super violent. It's not even that controversial, I don't think, or offensive in any way. It's just yeah. funny that he does it. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, I love it when I get to do this one. You know, like, gotten to do this a couple of times. This is my favorite way to kill someone. Good pick. What do you It's a great pick. It's great. And just dovetailing on that as well is a great pick because he says he saves himself a bullet, but it's also a really good way for a shoestring budget, you know, student filmmakers to do a kill scene. Absolutely. Ingenious way. (laughs) It costs absolutely nothing. That was actually my pick, but that is all good. It's it's what happens. (laughs) I will pick what I wanted to talk about before with Valerie as well, because the character of Valerie was very curious um, in in this film. Um, I would say more pet, kept as a pet rather than a Mm -hmm. girlfriend. But the uh, the scene where she gets the the flute uh, in the behind without getting too graphic, it's the one moment where you could uh, suggest that there is humanity within Benoit, within right. Ben, because you could argue that he is, yes, he is definitely legitimately crying for her when he's washing the shit out of the flute. Yeah? Right. The yeah. thing is, yeah. it happened to him and that's why he gets upset. <laughs> he still yeah. isn't taking yeah. responsibility for the fact that it's his fucking fault that that happened. No, you're right, actually, because... <laughs> Earlier on, previously, uh, Valerie shows her that he, she was sent a warning with the rat on the skewer in the box and from like, the Italians. And it's like, ah, oh, don't worry about it. Italian, small time. And then the next scene, he gets knocked out in the boxing gym with one punch. That <laughs> yeah. is my pick. It's, oh, not, it's not uber violent, but my Sorry. pick is when he gets knocked the fuck out in the boxing gym. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. It's actually <clears throat> funny. And this dude hits him, and then he does the, like, looks at the camera and goes, 
what the what's happening here? Like he was confused. If he hit him once and just knocked him spark out, and it was right after he was being really creepy with that really young girl in yes. the in the locker room and treating pet her like objects, like her a pet. And she owes yeah. him and shit, and then just pop. And I was like, yes, that was great. <laughs> it's the most satisfying part to me. Like the kills are great, and and I, if I had to pick a kill, it's different, but. That's my favorite instance of violence because it's the most satisfying to me. I just yes, fuck this yeah. racist, mm-hmm. narcissistic, yeah. pseudo intellectual, fucking bad poetry reading prick. I love it. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Again, they really made sure Benoit is easily hateable, and they throw in those moments like that, and also in the fact at the end they all get shot to pieces. The Italians right. get their revenge, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, they, so they, so that you know, they give one to the audience, or they give them a few times to go, yes, yeah, absolutely. It's it's yeah. quite honestly, it is something of a Disney ending, as much as it could be with this, because oh, all's right with the world. These motherfuckers are done. <laughs> I, the word, the term "word world of Disney" never came up at all with the researching of this, but I agree with you 100. <laughs> yeah. percent Well, fellas, if anything else to add, we've gone through all of our things. I think this was fucking great. Uh, yeah. I think it was great too. But this is the ultimate question: Is are we going to rate these films? Since this is such an infectious show, and this is going <laughs> to just really take off like a, a filthy blister to everyone that shares it to someone else. I think we may want to go with something in that that uh, area of linguistics. So I was thinking maybe STDs. Scale, scale of disease? Scale of disease. That sounds good, man. I like that. Sods. Sods. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I would think like maybe a cold sore is number one and then number 10 would be full-blown AIDS, right? Oh, I'm into that. Sound, sounds about right. Like and then we'll just number 10 is like it's not gonna ever leave you. Like you saw a dead body, like full blown AIDS. Fucking right. that that is like traces of death. You're watching fucking freeway collisions and shit. Right. Okay. And then number one is I don't know, fucking gremlins, something easy. I don't know. There you go. So I like this. Where are we gonna put man bites pot? Well, should we individually rate this? I'm gonna say. I feel like this is probably some gonorrhea. Okay. It's going to be, you know, it's not full-blown AIDS. It's definitely a lot worse than a fucking cold sore. And curable. And it is curable. It is curable. I'm not going to go blind. Like, I watched it multiple times. And, like, I kind of forgot about it sometimes. And then, oh, yeah, I guess I still have gonorrhea. So I'm going with gonorrhea on this All one. right. Oh, my God. Uh, How do you feel? I'm going to say... Gonorrhea. See, I was going to say this is something like that. I feel like there's certain variants. So, like, for instance, I feel like this is polio, but now. See, if I were to say polio in 1913, that's a different level of disease. Yeah. Polio now. Oh, yeah. Meaning you can find out you have it, and A, there's technology to fix certain things, but it's not going to walk away from you totally. You might have some issues because of this, uh, but you could be cured of it. If I were to say this is polio in 1918, well, now you're talking about life-changing possible death, right? But but not full-blown AIDS that is slowly eating you from the inside out. Just you're walking funny. But I'm going to go polio 1989. 
that's where I put this one. <laughs> All right, cool. How about you, Jane? Do you feel it's kind of like clap, maybe like some crab, something you would share with a friend, but you don't actually have to fuck them? <laughs> oh, uh, hmm. We blindsided Gene. Blind this has gotten a little blindsided. A little I'm blind so glad I came up with this shit. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, out of five, out of ten. No, no. But this is good. This is good. Like I was, I was thinking about scabies. I don't even know if that's an STD. I don't think it is. But, you, you know, you've heard of scabies before. Now, you've got them. You can function. You can go about your business. But every so often, it gives you that reminder. And it gets it can be really quite an intense, grotesque <laughs> reminder that you don't want to tell anyone else about. But if you lighten up a little and just, you know, deep breathe, could be, you know, and you tell someone about it and you okay. look back and go, oh, yeah, scabies are, ali- are hilarious. <laughs> they're, they're flipping hilarious. So it can seem bad at the time, but upon reflection, hey, it's, it's a good one to tell at the pub. That's, yeah, that's what I, that's my bit. What do you reckon? I've known plenty, I, I think I'm with you on that. And I've known plenty of punk rockers that have gotten scabies while banging because it was on the floor of the disgusting house they lived in. There we go. Yeah. There we go. So yeah. I, I have known plenty of people that like have had scabies and I've known plenty of people that would like this film. That's why I'm friends with you guys, dude. <laughs> so I think this was a huge success. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. California yeah. to Queensland. We're taking over motherfuckers. Gene, Terry, this is my favorite thing to do. I am so glad we put this together. Uh, let's get off this thing and talk about what movie we do next. This is fucking great. I'm going to go watch a bunch of yeah. movies right now. Every, everybody out there, thank you so much for listening. Check yeah, out I don't know how we our marks. Check out our podcast, No One Likes Us, and the run-ins that we do with each other on our podcasts. Yes. Shout out Shogun, Trench. Producer LB. Shout out to Producer LB. Gentlemen, All right, thank you well, so much. Good fight. Thank you, everyone. Don't forget to like us and share us with all your friends. Just share us with everyone like an infection. (laughs) Yes, we will spread. We will spread. Lay down in the scabies that is us and spread our disease. Good night, everybody. Good night.